Hey guys, welcome to Sunday Nights at Refuge, a community-focused Bible study that gathers weekly in our Common Ground Cafe. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and your Bible. By the way, you can connect with us on Instagram at Refuge Family. Now, our prayer is that Jesus would use this message to draw you closer to him. So if you're ready, let's join tonight's study. I'm really, really happy about being here tonight. Um, you know, uh, Isaac asked me about two months ago to, to do Psalm 29 tonight. And uh, it was really interesting because this, uh, at the beginning of this year, I don't know how many people know about uh, Discovery House, uh, Our Daily Bread. Um, I brought some devotionals that have been really a blessing to me over the last 8, 10, 12 years because the short devotionals you can do and I, I get them extras and I hand out to people and give them to my friends. But this devotional here is in Psalms. I got this last year sent by Discovery House to me because I support their ministry. And so on January 1 of this year, 2018, I started with the first one. There's one every day, 365 days. And tomorrow will be my last one. So I'm excited about that. Going through Psalms is really something that I think in a directive way and having a devotional that gives you some direction really helps. And so um, it's really kind of nice to finish the year sharing a psalm with you that I read earlier in the year, Psalm 29. And it takes it in order all the way through, and it's really a blessing. It's uh, being of the generation that I am, uh, my daughters have to educate me about things. And my daughters hook me up with Spotify. All right? Now, for those of you, I'm computer literate, but I'm not understanding all the different things, you know, all the different platforms that you can have and stuff like that. So they kind of educate me about what's going on new. And what I try to do is educate them about what's gone on in the past. And I think that's one of the things we need to understand. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why the Psalms are so important, is because they educate us about the past, the history. And really, we only have about maybe six to 10,000 years of written history. Everything else has got to be surmised. It's got to be found out some other way. And so I think it's really important that we understand how important the Word of God is to us, to our development, and to our faith. Because without it, um, we would not have that hope that we have. But anyway, on Spotify, I'd just like to hook you up with this one. Um, they, I was going through, uh, they download for me, and they download this one for me because I listen to a lot of Christian music on Spotify. People I've never heard before, others that I have. But anyway, Jesse Coulter, who was a singer, country western singer, during the 60s and 70s, I was real surprised. It was Psalm 136. And, she, and so I took out my Bible and I followed it through. She sang every word of Psalm 136. If you get a chance, if you know where Spotify is, okay, download it and listen to it. It's about five minutes as she sings the entire Psalm 136. Anybody in here heard it besides me? Anybody? See, I learned. So anyway, it was really a blessing to sit there and listen to it. I'm doing Psalm 29, 
And if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 20, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the title to this one that was given to it in my Bible, or the one that I have online, is the praise to God in his holiness and majesty. Praise to God in his holiness and majesty. This one is, by, by some people, it's also called the stormy psalm. Psalms is really poetry. Psalm is really lyrics to songs. And many times they tell you, they would tell them what instruments to play in order to do the worship. And let's, let's face it, I mean, there's one thing that we can all agree on, no matter whether we can agree on the kind of music, we can all agree that music touches our hearts. It touches our soul. It opens us up, sometimes to our own detriment because of the words, the lyrics that are in the secular world. They open us up to ideas that we shouldn't be listening to. But the thing is, music touches us. It is such a blessed thing. And that's what psalms were to be. That was for the congregation to sing and recite and, and the poetry of it. And really, music and lyrics are poetry. They are poetry. But anyway, David wrote this, and he said, verse 1, it says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verse 3 says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. Verse 10, it says, The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever. In the last verse, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, when you read that, it's, it's you know, it's powerful. The first uh, two verses are praise. And then three down to nine is talking about the awesomeness of God, the power of God. He uses some metaphors here. Obviously, mountains don't skip like ox. You know, that's not the point. It's his sovereignty, his greatness. He can do anything he wants. God is sovereign. And what's so great is the way it closes. Even though it's a stormy, it's called a stormy psalm, it finishes with blessing stating he's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, and he will preserve us. If God was, if his power was unrestrained, we could not, we could not bear it. The nation, the nation Israel, when Moses went up on the mountain, they were fearful. Because they heard the thunder, they saw the smoke, they were, fear, they were fearful of God. If we had God's unrestrained power, 
shown to us, it would destroy us. But God has all that power, and yet he restrains it. He restrains that power. The same power that created the universe is the same power he raised Christ with, is the same power he saves you with. It's how he renews you. And it's important to understand that, that the holiness of God, holiness is that purity, that perfectness, that state that you and I will not exist in until we are in eternity. We will never achieve his majesty, his greatness. And this is the one thing that so many people, it's, it's, I'm a biology major, I graduated from college with a degree in biology, I taught physiology, I taught uh, um, anatomy in high school. It was an adventure, because anybody that's taken biology in high school at any point along the way, it's difficult because it's a whole new language. They're trying to explain to you something so complex and they're trying to bring the language down to a level in which we can understand it. I love doing it, but it was difficult. It was difficult for my students to grasp it. It was difficult for me. It's difficult even for the professionals to grasp it. They keep finding new things. It's difficult. But that's one thing should say to us. This God that created all this, this infinite universe, he has to be greater than what he created. Never ever is the creation greater than the creator. Look at your phones. You guys can't exist. I shouldn't say that. We can't exist without those phones. You know what I'm saying? I, I love them. Do you really know how that phone works? You don't have a clue. Most of us don't have a clue how it works. But yes, I use it. I got mine. It's the cheaper Apple, though, because I use it to make phone calls and text message. I don't do all the other stuff. But the thing is, you don't understand the technology, but you believe it. You embrace it. Do you know how an automobile runs? No. Most of us don't. We don't understand what the internal combustion engine is, but it does work. All I do is put gas in, turn the key, push the gas, and go. There's so much that we see, so much technology, and yet the one that created the ones that created it, we don't think he exists, or we don't think he's powerful enough. Stop and think. And that's what, that's what David is saying here. Praise him for his holiness and for his majesty, his greatness. He has come into us. When we ask Jesus to come into us and abide with us. The Holy Spirit comes in and it's through God that he begins that, that act of making us holy. It starts the moment we receive Jesus, that holiness begins. Making us holy. We will never achieve it. And one of the hardest things for Christians to understand is you, when you are saved, everything is not gonna be perfect. And it causes us to struggle. Because then we think that we're not being good Christians. Thank goodness. Thank goodness that we have a Lord and Savior that is going to see us through. He came in to abide with us. And he's going to see us through. One of the things that I think is, is looking at some of the other Psalms, it's important to read Psalms, not just one Psalm, but many Psalms. Psalms 19. It says in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. 
Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, no language where the voice is not heard. You know, if those, for those of you that go here to refuge and you went to the services this weekend, you heard Pastor Bill say, talk about language. The fact that you are sitting here listening to me, even as ineffective as I may be in presenting ideas and concepts, your brain right now is processing that. Your brain is conceptualized. You don't even know how it does it. In fact, you know what? Doctors don't know how they do it. Scientists don't know how it's done. But the thing is, we take language, we learn a language as a child, and I had to laugh when Bill was talking about see Jane run. You know, that's how we learn to read. We learn to take sounds, put them together in sequences to present ideas. And that's powerful when you think about it. But the thing is, that book, any book, has no meaning to you unless you know the language. And when you know the language, ideas come into your head. You take the sounds, you take the visual, and you produce images in your brain. You can, it's unbelievable that we can do this, and it's done at a very, very low voltage. It's all done electrically. Chemically, it's done. But you hear, you see, you smell, you take all these things, and your brain processes that. Unbelievable. And it's by language. We share with one another. We share with us. And God, the language that God created, he created humans with the ability to commune, to commune with him and to commune with one another. That's why it's so important that we communicate with one another. That's why we, it's important to be face-to-face and share with people and learn to read the things that their, their face is telling you, their body language, all those things. It's important that you learn to do that because the words are just as important as the inflection. It's also the body language. Everything tells you far more about it. It's important. God has given us a language. A language for what? To understand him. That is the primary purpose of us reading, is to read the word of God so he can communicate with us. Psalm 33, Psalm 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the, the deep in storehouses, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The key here is going back to 29. What did he say over and over again? Seven times he said, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. He went right to the issue. God speaks it and it it happens. It was neat when Bill talked about today when he said, when it came to man, he, he just called all the other animals and plants and everything into existence, but when he got to man, he got his hands dirty, and he got down and he took some dirt, and then he breathed life into it. That's exciting to me. And all of a sudden, it gives more meaning to life. The lack of really appreciation of life today is tragic. It's sad. It breaks my heart. I don't want to get too heavy, though. But it's important to understand our God is here to take care of that. He loves us. The last psalm is 139. I want to read from 139. Verse 13, Psalm 139, 
13 to 24. Many of you probably know this. For you form my inward parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. I'm telling you what, the conception of a new human being is one of the most miraculous things you can possibly imagine. And yet, our society is so cavalier about it. That breaks my heart. That we don't realize what a blessing that is. But here's, here's David writing centuries earlier. And he's awed by it. We should all be awed by it. We, a God that can take two completely different human beings, men and women, they're both different, okay, men and women, and Exciting guys. Hey, I'm, I'm on board. I love it. I'm glad that there's women and there's men. I'm glad. I love it. But to create two things so compatible yet opposite and are able to produce a new human being, I think we've got a little, gotten a little sloppy in our society. We don't appreciate not just the social personal things, but the conception of a new human being a new life, a new soul. And from that conception, that child has a soul. And God will redeem that child. No matter what happens, God will redeem that child because we have a gracious and loving God. But one of the things that we do as human beings, and this is kind of, I grew up as, you know, in a time when we had three channels on TV. They were black and white, most of them. But we used to watch cartoons. You know, they were, they were funny, they were good, they were entertaining. But anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism is a way in which we take human characteristics and place it on animals or other objects. And so cartoons desensitized us to the fact that animals really didn't have souls like humans, weren't like humans, didn't have life breathing into them, but it was neat to see a you know, Bugs Bunny. It was neat to see him talk and carry on. It was great to see the Roadrunner and the Coyote getting shipments of Acme furniture and, and, and goods and explosives and stuff. That was funny. Why? Because we were taking human characteristics and putting them on animals. Here's the real tragedy. We do the same thing with God. The other direction. We go from putting human characteristics on animals, and in just a minute, we'll see what God has to say about that. But the thing is, we do the same thing to God. We reduce him to human. When we talk about God, we argue with him. We disagree with him. I don't, I, you know, that, that's just too hard. God said it. And if you don't understand it, just spend some more time. God will reveal it to you. Pray. Ask God to reveal it to you. Because God has the capacity. And the one thing we always do is that as a parent of children, I know what I have to do to talk to my child. I don't say, well, by the way, you know, the last 15 times you did this, you know, we talked about this before. I talk to my child like a child because I must come down to the level in which the person I'm talking to to reveal to them 
on their level what they need to know. And God is doing the same thing. He reduces himself. Remember, he could wipe us out by his very presence. He, if he just gave all of his power, he turned it loose, and he will eventually turn that power loose. He would destroy us, but he loves us so much. He comes alongside of us, and through his infinite wisdom, he brings us along slowly, and he speaks to our heart. Once God has captured your heart, you have no fear of losing it because he's going to take care of it, not you. We try to be Christians by going out and doing things, by acting a certain way. Stop trying to act a certain way. Just love Jesus and let him change you. Come, come alongside of him. Come close to him. He will change you. Stop fighting it. Stop working at it. Because God says he will. He comes in and he's with you. And that's why it's important to understand that adoption. I don't want to get into adoption tonight, but, but I, that for me for a long time, the adoption into the family of God, I didn't understand it. But that's what's so neat. It's, once you're saved, now God is going to bring you into his family. Now, this anthropomorphism, this is what Paul had to say about it, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Said the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the simple desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. The thing is, what's so great about Romans is Romans starts out and Paul is nailing it. I'm telling you, you want to you know what doctrine is? Read Romans. You want to know about Jesus? Read John's gospel. Take those two and read them, and I'll tell you right now, you will learn what a real Christian is. What's so great is Paul gets really rocking along there, and he's telling them, hey, look, you know, chapter 7 rolls around, and he says, you know something? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Do you, any of you feel that way? Do you feel that you personally do the things you don't want to do, and you don't do the things you should do? I struggle with that. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm step up first. And you know something, and that's what hurts so many Christians is because we get so wrapped up in that part that we forget to go to chapter 8. Chapter 8, Paul says, hey, I made some mistakes back here. I mean, to clarify this, I want you to know, I want you to know this God is the one that's going to establish you. And it's awesome because when we read Romans, hey, this is hard right here. What I just read is hard. But it also tells you about our, our, our culture. 
We are the most affluent place in the world, America. The, the, even the poorest in America have color TVs and computers, and, and they got automobiles. I'm not saying everybody does. What I'm saying is the standard of living. This is a place that's been blessed by God, and we're the, we, we are the ones that should be held the most accountable. But why? Because we've taken what we have and we squandered it. We started as a Christian culture, a Judeo-Christian culture. Our constitution is based upon the Judeo-Christian principles, and yet we have rejected that. But I tell you, when I, we've been doing a study on Job. I want to share something with you about Job. Job, just before Psalms, in chapter 1, I want you to hear what God says about Job. I'm going to verse 1, um, verse 8 of Job, the first chapter. It says, then God, now what happened is Satan was running around. And he asked, hey, what have you been doing? He said, I've just been going to and fro across the earth. I've been looking for trouble. And he says, have, did you check out my, my servant Job? It says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Wow. That was, that's to say that about someone. But you know something? God does the same thing with you. Have you seen my servant, Paul? Have you seen my servant, Jeff? Have you seen them? Somebody might say, yeah, I've seen some of the things he does. But the thing is, God loves you. God loves you deeply. Once you committed yourself to him, he is going to secure you. He's going to secure you. And really, what that should do to us is draw us closer. As we know how much God loves us and cares about us and wants to do for us, we should want to be more and more of what he wanted us to be as his child. But what was really nice is he starts with a, he's kind of bragging on Job. And then we fast forward to chapter 38. After God had listened to all this garbage, people accusing Job of being, you know, hey, you deserve this because of your sin, and this must have been something you did wrong. And how many people counsel us is when we're going through struggles in our life that you must be doing something wrong? No, 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 no. Sometimes life happens. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. We all experience the loss, the pain, the suffering. We lose people we love. We lose jobs. We have things that happen, disease and stuff like that. Our health begins to fail. Life happens. Life happens. And so... After these guys hammer Job for a while, chapter 38, verses 2 um, through 4, I'm, 1 through 4, it says, the, the, the Lord reveals his omnipotence to Job. He says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens, uh, darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you. And you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Think about that. 
when we question our Father God, we go, I think God is off base here. Or what you do is you ignore what he says and you go on and do what you want to do. That's when we're in trouble. That's when we ignore the admonishment of God and we go on and do it anyway. The first thing we have no control over is just life. But in our choices, our will. And there's will, there's feelings, and there's thought. That we do not have the power to will our feelings. We cannot change our feelings. We feel things. It's emotional. You've had something tragic happen, and you're overwhelmed. But you can't will yourself out of that. And it's will, feelings, and thought. Our thoughts have a lot to do with the way we feel. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God. That's why it's so important. Even when you don't feel like it, sit down and read that devotional. Sit there and meditate upon it. Think about what God is saying to you. Think about it. Because once your thoughts are changed, your feelings change, and then you have the will to accomplish it. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we understand but God wasn't through, chapter 39, after he hammers him in 38. He says, he continues to challenge Job. He says, do you know, verse um, 1 of 39, do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Can you number the, the months that they fulfilled? Or do you know the time when, the bear, when they bear young? They bow down. They bring forth their young. They deliver their offspring. Their young ones are healthy. They grow strong with grain, and they depart and do not return to them. The animal world, they give birth and they leave. Humans are the ones that take care of their children their entire lifetime. I mean, there's always an exception here or there. But the animal world in general does not take care. God has created us in his image. We are like, we, we, we're created in his image in the sense that we, we, have, we have relationships, and relationships are important. First relationship is important with God. The one thing that remains is we toil and strive, yet we remain haunted by a vague sense that we're missing something. For those of you here tonight that feel as though you're missing something and you've come here to hear the word of God, I'm here to tell you that thing you're missing is Jesus. You're missing Jesus. God created that. In Ecclesiastes it says in chapter 3, it says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. We know right from wrong. We know that God is real. We know he's there. We either accept it or reject it. Once you've accepted it, that's when you've come into the family of God. God is going to get you home. He's going to get you to into eternity. God pursues us. God is in hot pursuit of us. We don't need to go find God. He found us. You know, during the 60s, you know, I, you know, talking about people finding Jesus, they discovered Jesus. No. 
No, Jesus discovered them. He's been pursuing you. God was pursuing me. I see it now. As I look back over 60 years, I see God pursuing me. Because I remember how confused I was. I was looking for purpose in life. And I got my degree. I finished college, and I was still empty. And he met me. He had been pursuing me the whole time. My grandfather was a Methodist minister. My wife's grandfather was a uh, Baptist minister. We were raised in Christian homes. But the, but the call of, of, of the world is there. And it's always going to be there as a believer or not. Whether you're saved or not, the call of the flesh is always going to be there. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495. Set free my heart, set free my soul. I don't want to be a prisoner no more. Unlock the door that holds me in This is the day that life begins Set free my heart Set free my soul I don't want to be a prisoner no more That holds me in This is the day that 